Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Monday, September the 20th, 2021, and we are continuing our study of the big book and the chapter Into Action, page 84, the third paragraph, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. Today's readers are the 12 steps. Melissa W, 12 Traditions, Terry S, and readers of the text, Nessa R, Pete B, and Camilla G. The share ID for yesterday, Sunday, September the 19th, special edition, 17768. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Melissa W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Melissa. Morning, morning, everyone. Um, 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Oh, did I say I'm Melissa W. and I'm recovered in New York? Grateful to be here. Sorry about that. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Melissa W. And Terry S. will read the 12 traditions. Welcome, Terry. 
press star one to unmute, Terry. Okay, Carmella. there it goes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, this is Terry S. in Florida, a recovering food addict. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, OA Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we, we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're in the chapter Into Action, page 84, the third paragraph. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. We're reading the whole paragraph and sharing on that. Nessa R., could you start us off, please? I would love to. Good morning, vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And we ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recall from it as if from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. 
and we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. My gosh, there's so much in this uh, uh, paragraph. You know, I, I could spend a, a whole special edition just um, talking about it. So I'm just going to focus on a couple of things. Um, these are the recovery promises. This is the food neutrality promise. And, you know, when I came into... When I came into program, um, I thought that just by putting the food down, I, the food was not called to me anymore. And boy, was I shocked. Not only was I shocked, I was baffled, and I was discouraged. He's like, what do you mean? Like, I'm, I'm abstaining from all this stuff that I love, and, and I still have the, the, the voices in my head, you know? And I, I spent the first 46 years of my life, you know, ra- either running to the food or running away from the food, but the food still dominates me, you know? Uh, up until I, I recovered almost 10 years ago. And so I want to say, um, what I'm going to talk about is if tempted, we recalled a sift from a hot flame. Because I also thought another misconception I have is once I, I, I got to the steps, food's never going to call to me. But that's not the promise. The promise that it's never going to call to me, it's the promise that I will recoil from it if it does call to me. You know, and, and I always like to juxtapose this in page 84 to what it says in page 24, that it says, there is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. And so here, on page 24, um, I cannot recall from it from a hot flame, and yet 60 pages later, I can. Um, and this is what solved the riddle. How come I put down the food and, you know, the food still calls to me? Uh, because in page 24, I haven't gone through the steps. I'm just, at, you know, working step two or going through step two. In page 84, I have already removed the blockages from uh, the blockage from God, who is my solution, right? I have gone through all the steps, and I'm doing step 10 on a regular basis to make sure that those blockages don't come back. And so, so I love that. And um, you know, we are neither, we are, neither are we avoiding temptation. I mean, there's temptation everywhere we go. You know, it's impossible to not avoid temptation. I don't have to walk into a bakery. I don't have to walk into a restaurant or a buffet. I can just be driving in my car and I see McDonald's and I see a billboard, you know, with, I don't know, uh, you know, whatever, you know, junk food they're advertising. It's impossible to avoid temptation. And so, you know, like not mentioning foods, not thinking, you know, um, that's not going to help me. The only thing that's going to help me is to be 100% abstinent and to work the steps. This is how I get to these promises. These are the promises of step, of step 10. Uh, and I have them today. I have them today. You know, the temptations are few. They're still there, but I recoil. I don't listen to my head. And my, peace is, my, 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 my uh, head is peaceful. There's no chatter about food constantly. I'm just focusing on life itself, on serving God and helping helping others and you know it is just such a satisfying life and with that I pass thank you thank you Nessa R 
The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared Thursday or Friday of last week, please step back and let others have their turn. And please, say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Mary Kay. Katie G. from Boston. Okay, so Ma'am. far I heard Larry K. Barbara Barbara E. e. Barbara, I oh, got yeah. you. Thank you. Oh, you did. Thank Larry. you. I I was muted. Barbara so far I got... Thank you. So far I have Larry K., Ma- Barbara E., Katie G., Vasa O. I think there were a couple of names I missed. Janet B. Nancy T. There we go, yeah. Okay, thanks. Thank you. I've got our lineup now. We have Larry K., Barbara E., Katie G., Vasa O., Janet B., Nancy T., and Chuck K., Larry Kay, would you like to start us off, please? Hi, Lynn. Good morning. Happy Monday to you. Larry Kay recovered uh, from Chicago. You know, here's here's the the common refrain from addicts like uh, like us with regard to these promises. You know, you know why why the hell are these promises coming true for everybody but me? You know, and 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 the bottom line though is is if I do the work, if I take the actions to uh, search within myself to tap into this divine power, you know, the obsession to eat is going to be removed. And these promises will become manifest according to God's timing. I have to remember that. That's all I can really ask. And the promises, like everything else um, in program, is a subjective experience. And, and I think I was, I was asking the wrong question. You know, maybe I'm not the only one on the line that was asking the wrong question. I don't know. But I, I kept asking again, when will these promises come true for me? You know, when, when, when did the committee of me, myself, and I get these promises? Because it seems like everyone else is getting them. And, you know, I think the right question perhaps that I could have asked is, what are the promises that I'm making to my higher power? Because when we don't keep a promise to someone, it communicates to that person that we don't value him or her. And we've chosen to put something else, you know, ahead of our commitment. And even when I was breaking small promises, right, others learn that they can't count on me. And there, there becomes like these tiny little fissures develop in our relationship that are marked by broken promises. I had a field, a big, huge field of broken promises. And we're not only communicating this to others, we're really telling ourselves that we don't value our own word. And it's, we think it's okay to let someone down. And I was letting my higher power down for sure. You know, you know God, I promise to cease fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. You know, God, I, I promise to demonstrate to others the miraculous power of your power, your love, your way of life. You know, and, and, and I look at this, and, and this is important because the thing is for me, 
is that I have to remember, am I building, you know, a, uh, a reco- my recovery on a canvas of truth or a canvas of falsehood? Because I wasn't keeping promises to anyone, you know. And today what I can say is I do a lot better job of that. Uh, by the grace of God, God's grace and mercy, I can keep my promises to my daughter for all these years. I can keep my promises to my family and my friends, you know, and I make mistakes. But boy, oh boy, someone can count on me today in a way that they couldn't count on me before. So I'm, I'm turning, flipping this, and what promises am I keeping to God today? With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry K. Barbara E., it's your turn, followed by Katie G. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much. I was looking forward to that cup of tea that you made before the meeting, but I'll do without it and just say thank you, thank you, thank you. I came into this program in 1997. Now, I had been dieting all my life. I had a a BA in dieting. But when I got here, I found that this was the master's degree, maybe the PhD course. I came in, as I said, in 1997, by the grace of a God that I didn't think I believed in. I Certainly, I had no knowledge of him. I got abstinent. Now, why did I wait till I was 50? Well, I tried all those other Um, programs. You know what they are. I won't go through all of them. And they were all filled with that frothy emotional appeal, like suds on a beer glass. They had no substance. You could blow them away. So I think in 1997, this God that I didn't know I had said, I think she's ready. I think she'll be ready to do whatever they say. And through that grace of God, and my wonderful sponsor, I did lose the weight. And I did begin to feel the promises. How? Because before when I used to go to meetings and I saw a cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee, all I could picture were donuts rolling across the table. If you ate some bread at a restaurant, I wanted to jump across the table and strangle you and take the whole loaf. I don't do that today. We have loads of food in in the house, but I'm neutral about it. Why? Because those promises that we've heard have really begun to become true for me. And God knows I'm not perfect. I make mistakes every day, but that's only because I'm human. So I wake up in the morning grateful to be alive and willing to go to this meeting and other meetings and do for others and think less about what I can do for me because that's all I thought about. And when I'm disturbed, I pray, I pause, I wait, which always means for me, why am I talking? And then in the morning, I pray for all the children of God even the ones I disagree with. They are good people too. They just disagree with me. That's okay. That would never have been okay before. I would have wanted to cut you a new one. But this is a wonderful program. And I didn't get those promises at first. 
And I have to say they don't come true every day. Some days are just diamonds. Some days are just stones. But I know they'll come back if I listen to these meetings, if I do everything I'm asked for, if I work with others, if I pray, I pause, I meditate, and I stay away from food. Keep your hand, your hand, your food in one hand, your life in another, and just don't clap. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Barbara E. Katie G., it's your turn, followed by Vasa O. Welcome, Katie. Hey, Lynn. Thanks for taking the meeting. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. And, uh, you know, I think I was fighting in the womb. The fact that I could not be fighting anything or anyone, even food, um, you know, it says I will react sanely and normally. So um, step two shows me time and time again that I'm insane when it comes to food because I don't remember or I don't care about all the consequences that are going to come once I put that food in my mouth. So for someone like me, I'm a recovered anorexic bulimic compulsive eater. The same reaction around food ingredients and behaviors that have triggered that phenomenon and craving is entire abstinence. It doesn't mean that I'm fighting it. And it also doesn't mean that I'm cocky. You know, I don't need to like tell you all about, oh, I have food all over my house. I mean, I do, but I don't need to perform with that food. It's still poison for me. um, That hasn't changed. But what has changed is I don't, it doesn't call to me. I don't need it. Um, Food is not the best thing that happens to me. But I also, like, this promise is coming true as the result of continuing my my fit spiritual condition, which is what I have to do. And I, um, I, I, I'm, it's such a privilege each and every day because when I continue to see, stay in fit spiritual condition, I don't have to fight. I don't have to fight OA. I don't have to fight to be right. I don't have to fight my husband. I don't have to fight sponsees. I don't have to fight my body weight. I don't have to fight COVID-19. I don't have to fight. I don't have to fight anything or anyone. Like, I grew up that, like, if there wasn't a a debate, I was going to make a debate. And you were going to be wrong, and I was going to be right, or if you were going to be right, then you needed to love me a lot because I'm a please love me aholic so that I got praise from you. And if you were going to be right, then I was going to be right with you and we were going to be on the same right team, right? So for me today, the miracle is I don't weigh 228 pounds. I don't weigh 110 pounds. I'm not obsessed about food I don't eat. I just don't. I'm not obsessed about my body weight. Um, and the miracle is is that the anger is dissipating with frequency, intensity, and duration. And I can be one among many. I don't have to fight for my place in the world because I'm God's daughter and I have a position here of um, trudging alongside all of you. And I'm grateful to have it for my based on my spiritual condition. And with that, I do pass. Thanks, Liz. Thank you, Katie G. Vasa O, it's your turn, followed by Janet B. Please go ahead, Vasa. 
press star one to unmute, Vasa. I'm so sorry. I thought I was unmuted. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive over Ida. And I know when I came to the first meeting and the second and the third, and I just love to hear the promises. I never thought uh, they would come true for me. But they have, as I've been working through the programs and the 12 steps, gradually one by one. And um, the first one for me was like a miracle that I could put the food down right from the night when I came to my first meeting. And I was ready and willing to surrender to a power greater than myself, the program sponsor, whoever, because I, you know, it was going to kill me if I continued doing what I was doing. And yes, at the beginning I was fighting, fighting it, but I when the temptation came back, but I always, you know, used the tools or I got on my knees. I didn't give, you know, get on your knee, whatever, you know, and I would ask my higher power just to re- remove the compulsion, the obsession, and then it worked. And my mind would go to something else, going to do laundry or do the dishes or whatever. My sponsor said, whatever it takes, don't go back to the food, you know, use the tools go to the, your step meetings, do go your meetings, whatever. And it is by the grace of God, one by one, they have been uh, fulfilling for me, and I'm still expecting more as I go along. And I've, I, I've been in the 24th of this month, October 24th, 5th, by the grace of God. I came in 1986, and these are the best years of my life with the food and with everything in my life. With ups and downs, I've been able to stay abstinent, and I work the steps the way they're laid out, and it works if we work it. So I can go anywhere, any place today. I do feel like if I'm spiritually fit, I can go anywhere and be any place, and the food is not calling me. I don't know if I was in an island and I had, there was no food. Um, you know, I don't know what I would do. I'd be catching fish or something. But anyways, uh, the food is, I have it in my house. My husband uh, has things, and I do. I bake for my husband every once in a while, but I don't have the temptation. It's removed. So I'm so grateful uh, for this program and, and the steps and the people. It's awesome. It works. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Oh. Janet B., it's your turn, followed by Nancy T. Good morning, Janet. Hi, good morning. This is Janet B., recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. Well, I'm just looking at um, these phrases. We had been placed in a position of neutrality. The problem has been removed. You know, in both of those instances, like, I'm not the person doing anything, or I'm not the entity doing anything, right? Like the problem has been removed. If I have a spot on my clothes, it doesn't just remove itself. I have to remove it. I have to rub some stain remover on it and remove it. The problem's been removed. And then just the way it tells me in this paragraph that that is the miracle of it. The miracle of it is that God comes down and places me in a position of neutrality where I'm safe and protected. It's like he takes my soul, wraps it in bubble wrap so that the obsession can't get in and just takes the problem, the obsession with food, 
and just removes it. And they call it a miracle. And I know, you know, if I were to just think about a miracle, I'd say, well, those just happen, right? Like I, that's just when God decides to break in to human history and act. But I'm so fortunate because this book gives me the formula for a miracle. And I think it's so well encapsulated on page 57 where it talks about the minister's son, where he has a miracle. And as a result, it says he couldn't drink even if he would, even if he wanted to. God had restored his sanity. And then they say, what is this but a miracle of healing, yet its elements are simple? That to me is crazy. They are telling me, okay, guys, here is the recipe for a miracle. Here it is. You know, we're going to tell you how to get this miracle of healing. And they say, circumstances made him willing to believe. Well, that was me. I, I was just beat up by this illness. I couldn't stop. And I was willing to believe everything I thought about God was wrong. I always believed in God, but thought he was there for like war and poverty and children starving in Ethiopia. And I was willing to admit I was wrong because I'd taken a first step. And it says, then he humbly offered himself to his maker. Then he knew. So it's saying, God, you know, I'm willing to admit everything I think about you is wrong. And I'm willing to do whatever you want me to. And then we get the results. And to me, that is the miracle, the restoration of sanity. And let me, please, God, never think it's because of the work I did, because I did 12 simple steps. It would be like there is a hurricane and my job is to um, climb up to the roof so that the helicopter could rescue me. Let me never think it's me climbing up to the roof that rescued me, but let me always, always remember that it is my loving God who came in, rescued me, placed me in a position of neutrality, and removed this awful obsession. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janet B. Nancy T., it's your turn. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you, Lynn, for your service this morning. And oh, what amazing shares that we've got to listen to. This is the one, this is the paragraph in the big book that when I'm asked, what's my favorite paragraph, if I have to only pick one, because of course there's many, this is the one. It's the what we refer to as the 10-step promises, because they come right after we start working step 10. But uh you know, Larry, when he shared, kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, how come this doesn't ever come true for me? Mine was the first time I heard this. It was like, yeah, right, because I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. I have been fighting this disease as long as I can remember from childhood. The first incident of compulsive eating that I remember is at age eight. So this has been a constant battle for me. I did not believe it could be removed. I listen to y'all every day talk about that they were coming true for you, but I didn't believe it would happen for me. And my experience with working the steps and relapse after relapse after relapse is because um, I would get to the step nine promises and I was amazed before I was halfway through and I was feeling good and um, yada, yada. And then we went into step 10 and I read these and I'm like, oh, awesome. Um, I felt as though I was in a position of neutrality. I felt as if the problem had been removed. It did not exist for me in that moment. But I failed to heed the last sentence in this paragraph. That is how we react. Oh, here it is. So long as I keep in fit spiritual condition. Well, how do I do that? 
well, I have to finish the rest of the steps. I can't just stop here and rest on my laurels. We're going to talk tomorrow and hear lots of really good chairs, I'm sure, about what happens if we rest on our laurels and let up on the spiritual program of action. Well, that's what I did. What does the rest of the steps ask me to do? I have to keep in fit spiritual condition by working 10, 11, and 12 every single day. 11 calls for me to perfect and enlarge my spiritual life. So when I start feeling complacent or stagnant, mix it up a little bit. Change it up. Do something different. Keep it fresh and new and growing. I never get there. This is a journey, not a destination. And that's where I got it wrong. I let up on my spiritual program of action. And so I didn't heed that last sentence, and it's so important. I get these promises, and I get to live them as long as I keep in fit spiritual condition. And that's where I dropped the ball. I got complacent. I thought, I got this. You know, anytime I hear myself say, I got this, I better run back to step one and go through the steps again or something because um, I'm trying to take control again. And I don't, I'm sure my story is not any different than anybody else's about trying to take control of this disease and, and do it on my own. What I did for years and years and years was diet with group support. I got really good at that, but I didn't get very good at being spiritually fit because I didn't work the rest of the steps. And so thank you so much. I love this paragraph. I love your shares, and I can't wait to hear some more. I'll pass with that. Thank you, Nancy T. For those of us who might have come on the line a little later, we are on page 84, the third paragraph, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, and we're reading and commenting on the whole paragraph. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once as it does help me hear everybody. I have Chuck K starting off our lineup. Who else would like to share? Ginger C. Nancy P. A. Irene B. I would. Okay, let me tell you who I did hear. There were a couple of names I didn't get. I have Chuck K., Ginger C., and Irene B. Who did I miss, please? Holly H. B. Nancy P. Renee A. Okay, I have Chuck K, Ginger C, Irene B, I think Holly HP, and Renee A. Did I miss anybody? Did you get Nancy P? Back with Ginger no, C. Thank no, thank you. Okay, there we go. Thank you very much, everybody. So Chuck K, can you start us off, please, followed by Ginger C. Good morning, Chuck. Hey, good morning. This is Chuck from Georgia, Chuck K. from Georgia. And I'll tell you, this, this meeting has really brightened my morning. It's a rainy Saturday or a Monday morning in Atlanta. And uh, this is a really big celebration. I think this paragraph just, it, it, it means so much to me. And I've heard it said earlier today. Because what it makes me think of is it makes me think of all of those years I spent in just a hopeless condition 
wondering why I can't put the food down and wondering what's wrong with me, what is going on, why am I having so much trouble with this? I remember, you know, decades of, of almost crying every morning because I could not control the amount of food that I would eat. I would say I wouldn't do it again, and I wouldn't make it four hours every single day. Now these problems have been lifted, and I didn't do anything. These things snuck up on me. These things were happening sometimes even before I could even realize it. I would say, oh, yeah, this, this did happen. And that's why this paragraph is a, is a celebration to me. And it's a reminder that the only thing I have to do is show up. That's all I have to do. I have a set of instructions to follow. I show up and do them. That's it for me. And the rest just comes. The rest is a blessing. The rest is a gift. It's a miracle. And quite frankly, it's one that I didn't earn. And so as I'm going through life and giving and giving and giving, doing everything I can, even when I don't want to, even when the phone rings and my eyes roll, I'm like, oh, gosh, i got to take this call. Or I want to I make a call that I really don't want to make because I'm in a little bit of trouble. I've learned one thing about God, and as I can't outgive God, I cannot outgive God. The more I give in time, money, whatever, the more I receive. And that was a wonderful thing to learn about the God of my understanding. I can't outgive God. God will continue giving me blessing after blessing. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm going to do a little bit more. And God's going, well, you know, wait till you see what I got in store for you next. And I haven't earned any of it. If you knew my life and all the crap that I've done, you'd be like, nope, he didn't earn it, but he got it nonetheless. That's a wonderful God that can look past our lives, the things that we have done, the things that we have not done, and still say this is a perfect human being that I have created that I want to take care of, even if they don't believe it. And that's a miracle. That's a wonderful thing. I am glad that I have experienced it. And I'm glad that most of you were there with me as I was walking my little road. So thanks for letting me share, and I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you, Chuck K. Ginger C., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Ginger. Hey, Lynn, good morning. Thank you so much for your service. I am Ginger C., a real compulsive over here in Colorado. And I just love this last sentence. That is how we react. So long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And I got to keep doing this. I have to continue this. And it's only 30 days plus, but thank you, God, again, doing for me what I couldn't do. Because I honestly didn't think I'd get from bridge to shore after succumbing to the greatest lie that somehow flew with my friend again, relapsing not too long ago. And I will tell you, I stopped. I got tired. I had the COVID clock. I couldn't wake up. And I just made excuses. And I'm an addict. That's why I ate, bottom line. And so when someone tells me there's a bottom below the bottom you know, I would listen to that. Because I honestly never thought I'd have another bite of food. And I did. And I'm grateful for every beautiful bite. Because where I'm at today is a whole new experience because of the grace of God. But it is a fit spiritual condition. It is daily. 
And I have to remember, most importantly now, not only continuing with 10, 11, and 12, but step one, I have no choice and I have no control when it comes to food. I am powerless. The fear of the bite will not keep you out of the food. And someone who has beautiful sobriety shared that with me recently, and it made such sense. Right, step one, daily. You are powerless, and what are you going to do today to seek and find that power to keep you from eating? But I love the fit piece. You know, I was doing my convenience program, sort of like Joe and Charlie, take a little of this, do a little of that. Didn't want to get the phone call, and I sure did not want to exercise. I do not like it. And right now, I'm on my beautiful exercise bike, and I was looking out my window, watching the full moon. Like, this is really cool stuff. And God, help me to stay disciplined, because daily, this is what it is. This is why I love Mark Houston so much and his amazing talks. It's seven days a week, 365 a year. And it is a fit piece. There's an exercise component to having this connection to God. And I have to continue. My husband thinks it's crazy when it's Saturday and Sunday and I'm still waking up at 4.30. But Mark says on the talk, you set the alarm. And when it goes off, you get up. And you go do it again. So thank God we're all today hopefully feeling the neutrality. And if you're not there yet, don't give up. It does happen. It is a program of action. You got to do the work. But you can have this experience as well, and you can keep it if you continue. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Nancy P., it's your turn, followed by Irene B. Good morning, Nancy. Hi, can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Good, I have seven trouble with that. Okay, so yeah, Nancy P. from West Newton, Massachusetts. We gratefully recovered today. So last week we went over the promises of step nine, and this paragraph talks about the promises of step 10. And we get sanity, we're seldom interested in liquor, and if tempted, we recoil. And I think most importantly for me, um, I react sanely and normally. Those, those are promises. So today, I can trust my feelings. You know, if somebody bumps me in the grocery store, I don't have to call 911. I, you know, I just, I'm like, oh, excuse me. Oh, please go first or, you know, whatever. Um, and if something ha- scary happens, I'm scared. If something great happens, I'm happy. If something sad happens, I'm sad. Reacting sanely and normally is what it means to be recovered. So there's no difference between me and people who aren't compulsive overeaters. Um, in that way, one of the many gifts I get from this wonderful life is that I see that my feelings are appropriate, but also that I'm still not exceptionally capable of handling them. You know, I, like a brace, someone that might need a, a cane or a brace to walk, you know, I, I have my brace, like I have my program, I have my, my fellowship, uh, you know, um, and that's, you know, that's why I still need other people. In, in Bill's story, he says that he and his wife abandoned themselves with, with enthusiasm to this life, the joy of living they really had even <clears throat> excuse me, under pressure and difficulty. And my own experience is that I had the joy, I have the joy of living, especially under pressure and difficulty. When my daughter was hospitalized for self-harm, all I did was cry, buckets and rivers and gallons and oceans of tears, and just cried and cried and cried. Yet at the same time, I had never been more serene. I had never been more hopeful. And this all comes without any effort on my part. I agree. I think of myself as a riverbed. You know, my life flows over me without any effort on my part. I don't even suffer from the compulsion to eat anymore. Never. 
I never do. I don't ever think about food. It's been removed, like a mole that I had removed from my back. It's on some medical waste dump somewhere. And it's not really even about neutrality. That would indicate that I'm aware of and I'm coexisting with food in a way that I prefer not to. But my experience that I've had with this body sitting in this chair is that I'm not aware, is that, um, you know, the awareness is is gone. And I'm not so much on the neutrality end of the spectrum as the doesn't exist end. I don't see it. I do everything with or around food that I want to. I bake, I cook, I go to parties, I entertain, I go to other people's houses, I do everything. I've even been to Paris and Rome without a single speck of trouble. And, you know, I do everything and I might as well be dealing with laundry detergent. And I do those things. I'm able to do those things because I stay in fit spiritual condition. And I say to everybody that ever calls me about, you know, what do I do and, how, you know, what, what about this? I tell them this is free, it's abundant, and it's available to everybody. All you have to do, say it with me, begins with S and ends and rhymes with surrender. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. Irene B., it's your turn, followed by Holly H.P. Welcome, Irene. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you all for the beautiful meeting, the beautiful shares, and thanks be to God for the gift of this book. I'm Irene B., gratefully recovered uh, bulimic and food addict from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, <clears throat> You know, um, I, I love the last sentence, and I know that many people have said on it, and it doesn't matter because it's, it's important. That is how we react as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And it's a free gift, and it's abundant. And it is a gift, and it's real, and it does happen. Because if it happened to me, it can happen to anyone I could not recover from bulimia for inpatient, for outpatient treatment centers, approaching 40 therapists, and I could not recover until God showed me the steps, until God showed me the room. What a beautiful, amazing, spectacular gift. And it happens. I, I, I cannot wrap my brain around the fact that I am no longer chained by bulimia. If I describe to you what my life was like prior to program, you would have thought, oh, just put the girl out of her misery. There is no hope for her. Off with her head. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, it's overwhelming how this happens. In this sentence or this little phrase in here that it says, we will be seldom be interested in liquor, food. Nah. If tempted, we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. That is so descriptive of my experience. When the thought of food, if it would plop into my brain for a split second it's like I would shiver and it's like I absolutely cannot go back to that life to that hell I can't it's like no it's not an option 
And some people try to tell me, well, you know, sometimes you're going to slip, you're going to fall, and it's okay. And it's like, no, I can't. You don't understand. If I slip, I'm going to stay there. So, yes, I would recoil. And all of this promise comes through if we stay in fit spiritual condition. Well, I think I sat on my laurels, and I'm going through incredible life difficulties, and that's no excuse. The reason is I sat on my laurels, and I just didn't have the energy to keep up with my step tense and my fit spiritual condition. And I picked up once. By the grace of God, it was only once. And boy, did that take So I just have to do this all the time. And I'll just have to say this. I love what somebody shared. I can't outgive God. I picture God as playing with me. You give me this, God has always given me back a thousandfold what I give him. That's my experience. So what I give to God, he gives me back tenfold. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Irene B. Holly HP, it's your turn, followed by Renee A. Good morning, Holly. Good morning. This is Holly HP from New Jersey. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. And, oh, my gosh, what incredible shares for this really, really uh, incredible paragraph. I think if I could have, if I could only have one piece of the big book, um, I would want this paragraph. Uh, A bunch of years ago when my uh, sponsor realized I had no emotional sobriety, um, I had been through the steps with somebody, but it wasn't as thorough um, as the way I have done it since. But I didn't know you know, I didn't know what I didn't know, that it wasn't as thorough. And um, I had I had no emotional sobriety. And all I did was complain about other people. And if I wasn't fighting with somebody outwardly, I was fighting with them in my head. And one thing I love about this and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, anyone. So anyway, so the sponsors sat me down at one point and said, I want you to read pages 84 to 88 every day. And I did. And when I, as I, and as I did, it taught me that I really needed to study this book and oh my gosh, did you know here are some clear-cut directions on these pages? And I saw that we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. And I took that not only as a promise, but I also took it as a command. And I began to practice it. And I love the word, the, and the big book uses the word practice a lot. And one thing I I finally occurred to me that, you know, practicing something, when it's new, I'm going to be poor at it. I'm not going to do it well. But if I keep doing it, I will get better at it. I may not ever get 
spectacular at it, but I will get better at it. Anyway, so I started to practice this, and that one sentence, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, also reminds me of the pause. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or direction. And I, I tell my sponsees, that means sit down and shut up <laughs> and, and, and ask your higher power or uh, whoever your higher power puts in your head. Um, but yeah, Fine, please. Pro- All right. Thank you. Uh, I am so grateful um, to be on today. Uh, what awesome, awesome uh, shares. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you, Holly HP. Renee A., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Renee. Hey, Lynn. Excuse me. Thanks for taking the meeting this morning. This is Renee A., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, Yeah, I'm along with everybody else. This is one of my favorite passages in the big book because when I read this and when I read these words, I can literally feel my body my spirit, my mind just falling into peace. Um, We've ceased fighting anything or anyone. I mean, I just hear the peace in that. It's like I can sit down, I can, uh, you know, turn this over to my higher power and, um, you know, just be in his will for me today. And that that is such a a good thing for me to remember. Um, You know, this book tells me that I'm powerless over food and a lot of other things too. And um, it also tells me in my personal experience, shows me that I'm beyond human aid. And so the, the issue is if I'm powerless and I'm beyond human aid, that means that I need to look to my higher power for everything that I need. And, you know, I, I know that um, my higher power loves me dearly. He wants the very, very best for me. And so, you know what, I don't, I mean, truthfully, I don't always live in this peace. Um, some, some mornings I wake up and I fight myself. I don't want to discipline myself to do what I need to do. But you know what, that's okay. I don't have to come up with that on my own today. I can turn to my higher power and say, hey, I don't feel like it today. Can you help me? And, you know, he's right there ready and willing uh, to provide me with what I need. Um, If I need willingness, he'll provide it. If I need humility, because my ego's regenerated itself and, and, you know, I'm living on self again, you know, he'll give that to me. Um, if I have to have a character defect removed, I want to have it removed. He'll remove it for me uh, in due time, of course. And again, I just want to clarify, that does not relieve me of my responsibility. But, um, you know, I, I have a disease and my disease, uh, you know, with me on my own, it's more powerful than me. And so today I know that I can turn to him and get whatever it is that I need. In fact, somebody wise in the program told me that I could use this paragraph as an inventory and that if I found myself fighting anyone or anything, I needed to stop and take a look at what was going on because there was most likely something going on with my spiritual condition. And so if I find that today, I can ask for help from my higher power. And so thanks, Lynn. I'm glad to be here today and I'll pass with that. Thank you, Renee A. 
Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to Team Monday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for this morning, Monday, September 20th, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 17770. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Pete B., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks, Sonia. Pete B., Compulsive Overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Realize we only know a little. I'm sorry, we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't gotten. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road to happy destiny. Past. Oh, 